Welcome to Leading with Heart, your go-to resource for how to find happiness, peace, and true success amidst the high demands of military life. I'm Christina Madison, your host, coach, and personal cheerleader as we learn to take excellent care of ourselves, lead with heart, and together change the narrative around wellness in the military. Today, we are discussing the four mindset traps that are secretly or not so secretly sabotaging your life and how to deal with them. I'm going to give you some tips today on how to deal with each. And I want to share up front that these mindset traps go beyond quick fixes. There's no magic pill for these mindset traps. There's no magic uh, mantra or affirmation that you can say. This unraveling and rebuilding a healthy mindset in these areas takes conscious and intentional work. So I'm going to give you some initial information and then I'm going to give you some ideas for ways that you can start to work with this mindset trap, ways that you can start to grow out of this mindset trap, but it takes more intentional, deeper work to really free yourself from the the bonds and the stickiness of these traps that we tend to get ourselves into. And that'll make more sense in a moment as I start to get into each of these mindset traps. So the first one we're talking about is the all or nothing mindset trap. This is one of the sneakiest and most common mindset traps that I see coming up with the clients that I have the privilege of working with regularly. So what is all or nothing mindset? I think it shows up in a few different ways. The online definitions of all or nothing mindset is going to be very much like extremism in our thinking, like always, never kind of words, kinds of mentality. And I take a slightly different approach to all or nothing mindset, not to say that the online, you know, psychology websites are wrong. They're not. They're they're correct. But I use a, a bit of a different approach to the all or nothing mindset in the way that I see it show up most for my clients. So what this looks like is black or white, either or, and zero or 100% thinking. So black or white thinking is kind of where where there's no gray area. It's either right or wrong. It's black or white. It's one or the other. It's a very polar way of thinking. Often we think that these two things are just mutually exclusive. It's like this or that, and there's no in-between. And that kind of bleeds over into the either or mindset as well. We think we can be this or that. We think we can have this or that, but we can't have both. The two are are mutually exclusive. It can be this or that, either this or that. And then the zero to 100% thinking applies more to when we are working towards a goal. So I see it a lot in like atomic habits, when we're working on our self-care, when we're trying to work on a specific area of growth within our lives. If we're not seeing 100% or we're not giving 100%, it feels like zero. Have you ever felt like this? Uh, When you, it's like, Oh, if I didn't finish this 
project perfectly. If I don't get an A, then it's not good enough. I'm a total failure if I don't get an A+. Or if I didn't stick to my diet perfectly today, I might as well give up and eat whatever I want and dig into my kid's six-month-old Halloween candy stash. If I don't have 60 minutes to work out, it's it's not going to be a workout worth doing. Like if I don't have enough time or the ideal time to exercise, then I'm not going to bother because it doesn't count. These are some examples that I see all or nothing mindset showing up in our approach to daily life, in our approach to project performance, in our approach to self-care, wellness, exercise habits, all that good stuff. And this has a negative impact because it's limiting. It's limiting. It puts in it puts it in boxes. It can be this or that. It can be a hundred percent or zero percent. It can be black or white. And so that polar approach to thinking gets us stuck and often sabotages us from even getting started, especially on days where we are not feeling a hundred percent resourced. So on days where you're tired, on days where you're irritable, on days where you're PMSing, on days where you're on your period, on days where you had a fight with your significant other before you left the house, you are not 100% resourced, right? Either physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you are not 100% resourced. And on those days, that's where this sneaky all or nothing mindset wants to keep you from showing up. It's like, well, you can't, you can't give 100% today. So you might as well not bother. You know what? Just stay at work. Don't go to the gym. You know what? Just skip your morning routine. Just hit snooze. You know what? Just just skip that healthy meal. Just go to lunch. Go go get, you know, something comforting, something yummy because you might as well just you might as well just do it. Might as well just go for it. And this can prevent us from prioritizing consistency. Showing up is more important than showing up perfectly. But sometimes we get caught in, well, I have to show up perfectly or it doesn't count. So my number one suggestion is eliminating as best you can this all or nothing approach and instead look at it as all or something. What's something that I can do today that gets after my goal? What's one step that I can take? What's one percent? That I can give today? What does 1% look like today? What does progress look like today? Because if we're not careful, the all or nothing mindset prohibits progress. And in the journey of personal growth, in the journey of self care, in the journey of reaching your goals, progress is more important than perfection. Consistency is more important than intensity. There will be days where you are able to give like 90 to 100%. You'll feel great. Your body's cooperating. You're probably like ovulating. Like everything is going right in your body. You're feeling good. You got enough sleep last night. The kids were on time this morning. Everything went right. Those days are so rare. Am I right? Like those days where everything goes perfectly and you feel amazing, those days don't necessarily come very frequently, especially if you are in a type of situation 
where you are chronically tired, if you're a new mom, if you're a mom, period. It is hard to have those perfect days where we feel like we can give 100%. So if you're always, if you always have the goal of 100% and you're a busy mom or a, a high achieving military leader or you are balancing, you know, six different roles and spinning seven different plates, then you are setting yourself up for disappointment and failure. And so in order to overcome this all or nothing mindset, I love the 1% principle. Like what does 1% look like for me today? How can I move the needle forward 1%? Give myself compassion and grace along the way and embrace the power of both and, okay? Because when we're in the this mental box of mutually exclusive beliefs, I can be this or that, I can have this or that, then we we're limiting ourselves and and it's not a realist it's not a real limit we're creating a limit and so i found this picture i i pulled it off instagram and i'm just going to read it to you real quick because i think it really kind of hits home this both and mindset that i'm looking for so it says things that can be equally true you are resilient and need a break you gave it your all and you need to back out you are independent and you still need others. You were sure, and things changed. You are kind, and you have boundaries. You did your best, and now you know more. The power of both and is amazing, okay? Because it gets us out of this either or. Like, I can either be strong and independent, or I can be dependent and need help. And both can be true. I can be strong and independent and need help and support from others. Both can be true. All right. I knew I would talk a lot about all or nothing mindset. Let's move on to number two, perfectionism. Do I have any perfectionists out there? Are you raising your hand? Is this you? Are you a perfectionist? Do you get on that hamster wheel of it's got to be perfect? It's got to be perfect. It's, I've got to think through every detail. I've got to make sure it's 100%. I've got to have that A-plus paper. Is this you? So examples of perfectionism, this is working extreme hours, working late hours, taking on additional tasks to ensure that every project you complete is flawless because you're afraid of criticism or failure. This could be a micromanager, a micromanager that is always breathing down the necks of their teammates because this micromanager is unable to delegate tasks or trust others to meet their standards of excellence. This might be you if you're the one that says, I'll just do it myself. Nobody else is going to do it to my standards, so I'll just do it myself. And that's okay, like one time, but when we say that to multiple things and we're trying to be perfect in all areas, we are setting ourselves up for some serious disappointment because that, my friend, is an unrealistic expectation. There is no way for you to be perfect in all areas of your life or to churn out perfect products all the time. There's a time and a place for excellence, but perfectionism is damaging. So perfectionism is setting excessively high standards for oneself excessively being the keyword, high standards, okay. Excessively, maybe not okay. 
for oneself and others, accompanied by a strong drive to achieve flawlessness. Individuals with perfectionistic tendencies often strive for unattainable levels of performance and may be overly critical of their own efforts, fearing failure or rejection. I did a podcast a while back with, uh, I think, Major Samantha Sliney about perfectionism. Fantastic episode. Go listen to it if you haven't already. She really breaks down this mindset trap of perfectionism and how she has been able to overcome it in her life and work with it instead of like butting up against it. So striving for excellence, like I said, can be positive, but when taken to extremes, perfectionism can really hinder your personal growth and negatively impact your mental health and relationships. So first you've got a name, right? That you are showing some perfectionist tendencies. Maybe you name that you are caught in the hamster loop of I got to get it perfect. I got to get it perfect. I got to keep working it until it's perfect and recognize the loop when you're in it. Recognize the behaviors that you trend towards when your perfectionism is amped up. So one of the, a couple of the things that you can do if you're experiencing perfectionism is one, recognize when your expectations are unrealistic. Have this conversation with yourself. Are my expectations for myself? or the other person slash people in this situation, realistic or unrealistic? If they are unrealistic, what's the delta and how can I minimize the delta? How can I get to a more realistic expectation, either for timeline or, you know, perfectness, if you will, I'm using air quotes, or the level of doneness, if you will. And that kind of leads to the second part is, is discernment when extra attention is needed Versus when good enough is good enough. There are some situations where perfectionism, like your high standards, your commitment to excellence is your superpower. But any superpower in the state of overuse is a liability. Let me say that again. Any superpower in a state of overuse becomes a liability. So your level of excellence, your commitment to high, extremely high standards in overuse can become your liability of perfectionism. So my recommendations there are expectations and discernment. All right, let's move on to imposter syndrome. Are you still with me? Are you still there? Let me go back to my, I wanted to share a quick book recommendation if you're struggling with perfectionism. I highly recommend the book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. It's one of my favorite books of hers. So good. 10 guideposts to wholehearted living. I love this book. It really opened my eyes to some areas of my life where I was kind of gripping and holding on to unrealistic expectations, perfectionism, trying to hold myself to someone else's standards, chasing after someone else's definition of success. Really helpful book. All right, imposter syndrome. I did another podcast on imposter syndrome with Alani Bankhead. She's amazing, truly amazing member of this community. I have done quite a few workshops and interviews with her. Definitely check those out. She just released a book called The Least of Us. I'm reading it right now. There's my bookmark. 
The Least of Us. She just released this book. I am so excited to read it. Alani is like my community expert in imposter syndrome. She's got so much valuable insight on this mindset trap. So if you struggle with imposter syndrome, uh, read this book. So imposter syndrome, what is it? It's that sneaky voice that says, you're not good enough. Who do you think you are to do this? Who do you think you are to have this role? Who do you think you are? You're too blank. You're too this. You're too that. You're too old. You're too young. You're too stupid. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too this. You're too blank to do blank. You're too short to be a bodyguard is one of Alani's examples. Or you're a fraud. You don't even deserve to be here. They just gave you this job because they felt sorry for you. Or you're a diversity hire or whatever. That sneaky voice is imposter syndrome. That sneaky voice that whispers or shouts to you the ways that you are not good enough and the ways that the other people around you are better than you and they're going to figure out that you're an imposter. Does this resonate? If you're listening, have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome? Has imposter syndrome ever shown up for you in your life? And what did it look like? What kind of sneaky things did that imposter syndrome say? What kind of things did it whisper or shout to you? I don't deserve this promotion. I don't deserve this job. I'm not going to bother applying to that job because they'll never hire me. Everyone in my in my peer group is so talented and intelligent. I'm I'm just I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just pretending. I'm going to fake it till I make it. Or, you know, I'm not going to speak up in this meeting because I don't I don't know what I'm saying or I'm not smart enough or I don't know what I'm talking about or I can't get on stage and share my story because I'm who am I? to share my story? Who am I to get up on stage and speak? Who am I to write a book? Who am I to do this, to do that? So imposter syndrome wants to keep you small. Imposter syndrome wants to keep you small. Imposter syndrome wants to dim your light. It wants to keep you safe. It thinks it's keeping you safe because whatever it is that you're afraid of, whether it's shining your light or getting up on stage or writing a book or taking that job, It feels unsafe. And so your mind creates this imposter syndrome as a tactic to keep you safe, to keep you small, to dim your light so that you don't step in to your calling. And she talks about that more in The Least of Us, that some of the most powerful heart-centered world changers struggle deeply with imposter syndrome because they are always leaning forward out of their comfort zone. They're always stretching the boundaries and exploring new space and shining their light and getting uncomfortable. And so imposter syndrome is going to show up again and again. Each time you're leveling up, it's going to show up in a new and different way. But there are ways to deal with this imposter syndrome. Okay, number one, you got to name it. You have to name that that's what you're experiencing. Otherwise, it like lives in the shadows and it's all sneaky. So naming it brings it into the light. It calls it out and says, you are my gremlin. You are my imposter syndrome. You are my sneaky voice that's trying to keep me small. 
And when you name it, you take away some of its power because now it's no longer hiding in the shadows, sabotaging you. So draw it out, notice it, acknowledge it. Let's talk to it. Let's figure out what's going on. And then doing some belief rewriting. And and this is when I talked earlier about this is the long-term work, like there's no quick fix magic pill. This is rewriting your beliefs is one of the examples of that where you really got to go in and do the deep work and peel back the layers of those self-limiting beliefs and really take a good look at where did this belief come from? How is it serving me? How is it not serving me? How am I going to rewrite it? And then creating new evidence of, of the new empowering belief that you choose. And that's another strategy that you can use with imposter syndrome is making a list of proof making a list of all the successes that you've had, of all the ways that you have you have achieved and gone above and beyond and, and the things that you've done that have had a positive impact, the people that you've impacted, the things you've achieved, the things you've done, the awards you've won, the training you've been through, the certifications and education you have, making that list of look at all the ways that I am qualified and that I have been successful in order to combat that sneaky gremlin that's whispering, no, you can't. You're not good enough. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You're too blank to do blank. We've got to actively combat that voice and create and find evidence of why it's not true. All right, let's talk about the last one and then we'll close. The comparison trap. And I think often we think of like comparing ourselves to others. That makes sense, right? Even more prevalent with the current age of social media where everybody puts their pretty pictures, everyone flexes, everyone sucks in the belly, everyone wears the high-waisted compression leggings, everyone posts about their perfect parenting strategies and their beautiful houses and their organized fridge. And you're like, I can't do any of that. Like I can barely tie my shoes and make my kids breakfast in the morning. What do you want from me? I can't have a perfectly organized fridge or a pantry with everything labeled in plastic containers. And uh, I'm never going to be able to keep my kids room clean. I'm never going to be able to stay organized. I'm never going to be able to, we get into this loop of I'm not as good as them. I can't do that. So that makes me less than. That makes me less than because I'll never be as successful as this person. I'll never be as successful as my friend. I'll never be as successful as that high performance officer that they've been grooming for the past that's on, you know, the HPO track. I'll never be as good as them. I'll never work as hard as them. And I think the big thing here is recognizing the difference between their lives and your life. What's important to them versus what's important to you. Their values versus your values. Their life circumstances versus your life circumstances. Their history versus your history. Their goals versus your goals. All of those can be very different. And if you are comparing yourself to someone who has very different priorities and goals in life than you do, then you're going to be frustrated and you're going to feel, you know, if you're comparing yourself to a single 
a single officer that has like no other obligations, like they don't even have a dog at home and they're pulling late nights and and they're on the high performance officer track and they want one star general and their goal is to have like their goal is to make chief of staff of the air whatever and you're comparing yourself to them when your goals are to make it to 20 to you know have a pretty good career to care deeply about people but to also show up for your family if you're comparing yourself to that person and your goals and priorities are very different and your approach to life is very different Yeah, of course, you're going to fall short of them because they're prioritizing different things. Their circumstances are different. They may be a different age. They may have a different background. Comparing yourself to others is never going to work out. Comparison is the thief of joy. And that also goes for comparison to a different version of you. So I'm talking like pre-baby you, if you've had kids. You know that. Oh, I miss my body before I had kids. Oh, if I could only, I could do this before I had kids, or I could do this before I had surgery, or I could do this before my knee gave out, or I could do this before my hip replacement, or I could do this before. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Why am I so much more tired? Why, why can't I have the same energy that I had when I was in my 20s? Why can't I balance everything the way that I could when I had less responsibility on my plate? So comparing yourself to others and comparing yourself to historical versions of yourself, always going to lead to disappointment and a loss of joy. So instead, be present. Be where your feet are. Let go of comparing yourself to others. And I know this is hard. I struggle with this too. We're always comparing our successes to the successes of others. Unfollow people on social media that trigger you. You know, let go of someone else's standards. Get in touch with your values. I'm going to do another plug. If you haven't listened to my podcast episode on values, Go listen to it. It'll give you an anchor that'll help keep you grounded in what's important to you right now, rather than comparing to others, rather than comparing to someone else who has probably very different values than you. So be where your feet are and get grounded in your values. My two suggestions for the comparison trap mindset. Thank you so much for listening to the Leading with Heart podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the Lead Your Life program, Cohort 6, I've included a few links in the show notes for you to explore. First up is the information packet for the program. This explains what you can expect and what's included in the program. Once you've read through the info packet, if you're interested in learning more or discovering whether the program is the right fit for you, there's a link in the show notes to book a discovery call with me. This is an opportunity for me to get to know you, for us to explore your goals and intentions together, and to discuss whether this program is the right fit for what you're looking for. Lead Your Life Cohort 6 is enrolling now and will begin in April of 2024. So if you're ready to do the work of self-awareness and introspection, of learning about your needs, becoming an advocate for your self-care, and making self-care a non-negotiable in your life. And if you're ready to do the mindset work that will help you let go of the all-or-nothing mindset of self-limiting beliefs and the belief that you are not enough just as you are, then this might just be the program that you're looking for. So reach out, explore the info packet, book a call with me if you want to learn more, and keep listening to the Leading with Heart podcast. 
I'm your host, Christina Madison, and I'll see you next time.